Hello, this is Tim Conboy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. All right, to the preaching. Ready? We're going to read Acts 11 in a moment. But before we do, I want to review and just consider Acts chapter 10. Remember, Cornelius had a dream. Remember his song? Cornelius. Okay. Cornelius had a dream, and a vision of an angel came and said, Go get Simon Peter and Joppa and bring him here, and he's going to tell you what I want you to hear. Um, that, that, that in itself is huge. I mean, you think about that. Cornelius believed that God could speak through just another man. That's, that's quite a theological jump for someone who's not saved yet. He believed what this guy was going to say was going to be from God. And so he, he sent for him. Peter, on the other side, a traditional Jew, raised all his life in the Jewish traditions and, and customs, also received the vision, and in that vision said, go with this man, or go with these men that come, and don't call anything common or unclean that I call clean. And so both of these men had to take a step of faith. And I remind us what I mentioned a couple weeks ago, is that the blessings, when you take a step of faith, the blessings are always greater than the battle that may ensue. A lot of times we get hear about the battle so much that we're afraid to take that step of faith because, well, I don't want to get in any battles with Satan. I don't want any spiritual warfare going on. I don't want to take any arrows. By the way, you don't have to take arrows if you hold up the shield of faith. Amen? Able to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. But some people, they say, well, I don't want to take a step of faith because, oh, last time I stepped out in faith, literally all hell broke loose in my life. And I, I say that in a biblical sense, not in the cussing sense. So we, oh, use a swear word. But it's what happens. The scripture says that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Right? And so we want to go forward, but we're afraid of the gates of hell, that they will prevail and they will fight us and we will have problems and everything will, will break apart in our lives. And so we're worried more about the battle than we are about the blessings. And so I just remind you of the fact, and before you see chapter 11, because in chapter 11 is a potential battle, I want to remind you of the blessings of chapter 10. That Peter was blessed. His understanding about God expanded. Peter's vision for ministry now expanded beyond the borders of Israel. Peter's testimony is now enhanced because he saw God open this huge door of salvation to the Gentiles. He was part of something huge. Peter saw that. Peter witnessed that. And, and, and so what a huge blessing it was to Peter. But what a huge blessing it was to Cornelius, a Gentile from Rome, an Italian man, who took a step of faith as a centurion and said, wow, I had to step out of my comfort zone, my personal comfort zone. So did Peter. Both of them stepped out of their cultural comfort zone, their social comfort zone. This is not how my society might look at me different if I step out in faith. They stepped out of their career culture zones. One from being a centurion, the other uh, being an apostle, both stepping out. But the step of faith led them to the same stone that they stepped on, the rock of ages. Amen? 
So Cornelius stepped out in faith, and because he did, he saw his friends and his family that could have thought he was crazy. I mean, they probably would think, you're crazy. You said, hey, an angel appeared to me, and he said this, this, and the other thing to me. He told me to go send for this guy. Have you ever met Peter? No, I don't know who he is. Do you know he's down there? Well, he said he's down there. I expect he's down there. You know how it would go if you told your relatives that you just had a vision in your room and all these things happened? And they're, now, your saved relatives, they should say, yay, God. But we're talking unsaved relatives. We're talking polytheistic relatives. Means not made of polymer plastics, but made of multiple gods. Polytheistic. They believed in many gods. You know, all the, the planets, all the planets except one are named after Roman gods, right? These were Roman people. They believed in all these Roman gods. Earth, by the way. Some of you are wondering, which one's not Earth? So these polytheistic people now are coming to hear his one true God. And so, so he steps out of faith and tells them about this vision. He says, hey, you got to come to my house. And listen to this guy when he gets here. And they're kind of wondering, well, I'm going to go just see if he really exists. And they all go. Man, you think Cornelius was blessed when his family came to Christ? You know, because he came to Christ too, right? And so here this great thing happens in Peter's heart. Cornelius' heart, what a great blessing for the guests that were there as well. The Jewish guests. Six men are going to join Peter and go 30-mile hike up to Caesarea. And these six Jewish people are going to be there and they're going to see what happened. They're going to see the Holy Spirit come on these Gentiles and they start speaking in tongues and they start receiving the word of God and, and salvation in Christ. And the scripture says, and they were astonished. Like, wow, what's going on here? How blessed that must have been to see all these people get saved. And then Peter says, hey, what hinders them from getting baptized? Can anyone prevent them from getting baptized? Now, let me tell you something. All the Gentiles that just got saved, none of them did baptisms. None of them knew about baptisms. They were all Gentiles. Only the Jews baptized. They had a mikvah. It was called the mikvah. And they would immerse them in a mikvah before their ceremonies. So that means only the six that came with Peter even knew about baptism. And so he puts it out to these Gentiles who will then take their first step of faith and follow the Lord and believers' baptism. And say, you know what? I need to do this. I need to follow the Lord in obedience. He, I accept it as my Savior. And yes, I will be baptized. I have no idea what it's about. But if Jesus wants me to do it, I'm in. That's cool stuff, isn't it? They had no idea. And all these Gentiles were baptized by these Jewish believers that came with Philip. Or Peter, rather. Boom, baptized. How, do you think you'd be high-fiving each other on the way back to Joppa? That was awesome, brother. I mean, I would be. I think that would be the coolest thing. And the Gentile families that came out, what a blessing to them. Now they're no longer hoping and worrying that, that one of their gods are going to help them out in life. Now they got the one true God. They're forever saved. They will be the spark that will ignite the gospel through the Gentile nations, so much so that you and I today are a result of the first Gentiles that were saved. Isn't that cool? We are part of that blaze. We're like, yeah, stay on fire because you've got to light the next generation. Amen? Yeah. Three of us, four of us, yeah. Hey, man, you can, you, can, you can rock it. You can, I mean, say, hey, we're part of it. Here's the point. The blessings were huge in chapter 10. 
Don't ever forget the blessings that resulted from what Peter did stepping out in faith and what Cornelius did stepping out in faith and what these Jewish and Gentile guests did when they stepped out in faith. Never forget the blessings. Because now in chapter 11, you're going to see a shift from the blessings to a potential battle. A potential battle that may ensue. And it didn't ensue, but it could have ensued. But this battle is going to take place and a confrontation is going to take place. So we got all that. We're ready to go? All right, follow with me. Verse 1. Now the apostles and brethren. Brethren means multiple brothers. And it include the cisterns as well. No, the sisters. So the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Did they see it? No, they didn't see it. Did they hear about it? Yes, they heard about it. What did they hear? That the Gentiles, not the Jews, the Gentiles received the word of God. Okay, we got it. Verse 1. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, even though Jerusalem south of Caesarea and into the east, it's the elevation. He comes up the elevation on top of the mountain of Jerusalem. He says, when he came up to Jerusalem, those, which is plural, of the circumcision, which means the Jews, believing Jews, contended with him, saying, notice what they say, verse 3, you went into the uncircumcised men and you ate with them, exclamation point. Notice what they did not say. Hey, Peter. Is it true that you went up there? Peter, did you go up there? Peter, why did you go up there? You notice all those different combinations you could have? But it was this. No, you went to the uncircumcised men and you ate with them. Hmm. Verse 4. But Peter, they come contentious, but Peter explained it to them. In order from the beginning. So let's start, let's make this clear. Let me start right from the beginning. Let's do it all in order because I want you to get this. And he says, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance. I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet. And it came down from heaven by the four corners and it came to me. When I observed it intently, I mean, he goes, I really looked at this thing and I considered it. I thought about what it was I was looking at. I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. In other words, I saw all these things that the next verse he's going to say, and I heard a voice saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And remember what we learned from this for our vegetarian friends. He wasn't talking about a head of lettuce. Amen? Rise and eat. So Peter sees this menu come down. And he says, pick from the menu anything on there, slay it and eat it. (laughs) Now, he didn't see anything on the menu that he thought was kosher. So he says, but I said, not so, Lord, for nothing. Literally means not one thing, common or unclean, at any time. In case you're missing the point I'm making here, he says, has entered my mouth. Nothing. Common or unclean, at any time, at any point, ever got in my mouth. 
I'm not going to do it. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. In other words, ah, it's trash. It's no good. I can't do it. He says, now this was done three times, number of emphasis. And all were drawn up again into heaven. It's like all of a sudden, here comes the menu. He's told what to do, pick something. And finally he gets the point, it leaves. And he says, immediately, at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I, w- where I was, uh, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the words of the Lord when he said, or how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, here's the question. Who is I that I could withstand God? Literally stand against God. When they, the they of verse 2, when they heard these things, they became silent. In other words, on the issue they came with. And they glorified God, saying, Then God has granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Okay. Can you see the attitude? All right. Well, then God has granted. I mean, it was just like, all right, well, then God has granted to the Gentiles repentance of life. And then the whole next verse is going to be a whole other subject. (laughs) It was like, all right, you win. I mean, when you pull the God card, you win, don't you? How are you going to take it from there? When we look at this text, I want to, we're just going to briefly today, it's going to be a two-part message, but today we're going to start by considering how to diffuse a contentious spirit, or how to diffuse the spirit of contention. Now, the reason I say diffuse is this. When you come into this chapter between Peter and these contentious brethren, right between the two of them, there was a bomb laying on the floor. And this bomb could have blown up in their faces. This issue could have exploded. This could have become some major issue uh, had it not been handled properly. And whenever there is a bomb, if you will, put between people, how you handle that bomb will determine how you will leave that area. You will either leave hurt and injured, or you will leave healthy and fine. You have two choices whenever you're handed a bomb. You either defuse it, or you detonate it. Are you with me on this? All your little bomb lingo going on here? Defuse it or detonate it. He said, well, I didn't see any bomb. Oh, yes, there was a bomb in here. <laughs> there was an explosive situation in here. This was, there was a point in which this thing could have blown up in Peter's face and these brethren and the whole church there in Jerusalem. But when I look at this context, I realize that Peter 
actually and masterfully defuse the bomb rather than detonate the bomb. You see, friends, you and I, all of us, that is, if you're human, all of us who are human will battle this spirit of contention. Either you will be contentious or you will face someone who is being contentious. For some of you, this is quite foreign. You've never experienced a contentious spirit before. So for the rest of us, this is all for us. Contentious. Well, let's, let's define the word. Diacrino. Diacrino. Diacrino means contentious. NIV will translate it uh, criticize. Uh, but to criticize is simply to say something uh, negative about something. Contentious is the idea that it's something internal that's causing you to be this way, to criticize. It is a, a spirit or an attitude about which comes from the inside and comes out. Now, the word literally defines as this. To oppose or strive with. You'll notice here in this first picture, this is an evil twin of Corey and Michelle. You notice that, Michelle? She's in the back. Corey said, don't show Michelle until the service. Hudson said, it looks like Mom. She likes green shirts. So. <laughs> but I said, it just looked funny. This is not Corey and Michelle. But it was, it was funny when I, I saw that picture come up. Sometimes we're the ones in the top, arguing, pouting. Other times we got our dukes up and arguing. It means to oppose or strive with. Diacrino, diacrino. To oppose. It means you stand in opposition to that other person. It also means to, as the next slide say, to dispute with. In other words, you don't agree with whatever it is that subject you're talking about. It means to call into question. Here's an official. He makes a call. And here's a athlete standing there contending with him. He has a contentious spirit. Now, you know the funny part is, usually you watch a football game and the ref makes a call and somebody gets his face, oh, oh what kind of call is that? Blah, blah, blah. Do you, you ever see the official go, you know, you're right. Never mind. Never mind. My bad. <laughs> you ever see that? It's just like he's barking his face and, and He'll put up with it for a while, or he might throw a flag on him for doing it. <laughs> it's always funny. I, there, there's a guy, he's a line up. You know, they're the ones right at the front line of the games, football game, watching the holding and all that. A guy named Bill Schuster. I went to school with Bill, and uh, it's kind of funny. I said, hey, I saw the close-up. He said, that's Billy. Billy Schuster's out here. I didn't realize he was an official in the NFL. And uh, him and I got contentious one time. And he was our quarterback, you know, so he was the big guy. I was a little squirt. And so, uh, so it was always funny, but we weren't contentious in a football game. Um, he, when he threw the bike at me, he won. I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. You know, I pushed my bike at him, and he picked it up and threw it at me. I was like, ooh, okay. Pushing it, or throwing is better, out trumps pushing a bike. These officials, they, they hear you, but they're, they made up their mind. It's the call. But you don't like it, so you dispute and you call it into question. The other aspect of this word means to separate oneself in a hostile spirit. 
the word diacrino. Diacrino means to separate, to cause division, and to separate oneself in a hostile position. In other words, you have hostility in your heart. You're not there contending in, and you know where you've drawn swords and you're duking it out. No, he said now you've this contention has separated you. And both of you now have a contentious spirit. You have a, a, a hostile spirit inside. This team doesn't talk to this team. This person doesn't talk to this person. This one's upset at this one. Now this stuff will never occur in marriages. I have my fingers crossed, my eyes crossed, my legs crossed. It can occur in marriages. It can occur in business relationships. It can occur amongst friends. It can really even occur in a church setting. I know you don't believe that, but it could. Where all of a sudden, camps start to get drawn. And division starts to take place. And there's a hostile spirit. And and we look at this and we say, how in the world did this ever happen? And the answer is because there was a contentious spirit that was not diffused. It was detonated. It went off. It was not brought under control. Now, what I want you to notice in our text, in verse 1 it said, The apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So here they are, not only in Judea, but in Jerusalem. The area of Judea would be even further south of Jerusalem. One of the first things I notice when I look at this is the speed by which a contentious spirit can travel. The speed by which they travel. Because I'll tell you what, Caesarea is 70 miles from Jerusalem, and Judea area is even further south. So it's like here to Louisville. And back in the day, they didn't have such great things like Twitter or Facebook or text messaging. So by the time before Peter ever made it from Caesarea down to Jerusalem, they already knew all about it. They already knew it. And they say news travels fast. Well, I'd say bad news travels at the speed of sound. Doesn't it? Whoo! And somebody knew that this news going to these traditional Jewish believers, they're believers in Christ now, but they knew that these guys would not like this report. And that news got down to them, lickety-split, and it says the apostles and brethren, the other believers, there in Judea and also in Jerusalem, heard that the Gentiles received the word of God. And you say, wow, wow, that's great news. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not great news if you are a traditional Jewish believer in which all you heard was that Peter was hanging with the Gentiles. And not only did he hang out with them, he went to lunch with them. He ate with them. Actually, since he was there a day or two, he probably had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with them. You see, before Peter ever got to Jerusalem, they already heard the news. And you would think that they would be happy. You would think they'd be high-fiving each other when Peter came in. There's Peter. Let's run up and say, hi, man, that's awesome. Great job. You got the, the Gentiles. You've been introduced them to Christ. Man, now the whole world can hear the gospel. You would think they would think that, wouldn't you? Because we're really spiritual. Now you obviously weren't. But they didn't think it. Instead, what they thought was, What? How in the world uh, can Peter, what are you doing going up there? 
Now they're upset that the Gentiles are included into the church body. They're upset. In other words, they're upset about the direction in which the church is going. You follow? Now what are we going to do? Now we're all going to have to eat with these guys. We just did today, didn't we? And we lived to tell about it, didn't we? Amen. But the amazing part is they did not like what they just heard. And they were ready for it when he got there. Matter of fact, verse 2 and verse 3, can you, can you hear the attitude? I mean, can you kind of, you don't even have to ring it out. It's right there. Peter came to Jerusalem. Those, the word means, the, those means plural, not one. Many of the circumcision, the Jews, contended with him. Saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and you ate with them. I mean, you read this in verse 2, it tells us about the spirit of contention. They had a contentious spirit in verse 2, and in verse 3, they had a combative spirit. It wasn't just that they didn't like what happened. They went and they had a combative spirit with Peter. They went and drew swords with him. They got in Peter's face, we would say today. They jumped his case when he showed up in Jerusalem, however you want to put it. They had a contentious spirit inside them, and then they had a combative spirit. Wait till I see him. And true to form, instead of one going and just inquiring about this, they all went as a team, didn't they? Those that said, come on, man. We, we, don't, we didn't build this team for nothing. Here's the preacher now. Let's come here, Peter. Come on, boys. We're going to set him straight. What's this? You went to the uncircumcised Gentiles and you ate with them? It's like, how dare you? Don't even touch me. You must be unclean. You've been with these Gentiles. Eating a meal with somebody. Eating is an act of fellowship, relationship, acceptance. Even if it's in a casual business meeting and you break bread together, say, hey, let's go get something to eat. We'll talk about this. It, it means it's a... a there's something about food, amen? <laughs> Brings us together, amen? By the way, this isn't anything new. It's always been this way. If you're going to have food, if you cook it, they will come, right? Hey, well, first thing we're going to do when we get to heaven is have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah. Lord says, they're here, let's eat, right? They've been waiting for us to get there so they can say grace. They're like, yes, time to eat. But yet, they were all upset about Peter and who he ate with. You see, they were straining, they were having their own meal, if you will, because they were straining at a gnat and they were swallowing a camel. They were majoring on the minor and they were missing the miracle. All they could see, all they could hear is who he... Matter of fact, if they wanted to argue with Peter on what he ate. Peter, we heard you had pork chops for lunch that day. And you had bacon and eggs for breakfast the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A Gentile, get him! <laughs> yeah, everything's good with bacon, right? And bacon Sundays, you name it, but. They, if they wanted to argue about what he ate, they could have had a scriptural basis and leg to stand on, right? They could have, they could have called in question, the scripture says this, you shouldn't eat this, shouldn't eat that, and, 
and why did you eat this or that? They didn't have a problem with what he ate. They had a problem with whom he ate it. Right? Remember when Jesus came and the Pharisees looked at him and said, Oh, he's hanging out and eating with publicans, not republicans. Publicans and sinners, not republicans and democrats. Just kidding. Publicans and sinners. Oh, look at who Jesus is hanging out with. Does If he only knew who was washing his feet right now, he would never have gone for that. You see, the point is, they, they weren't arguing from a scriptural basis. They were arguing from a traditional basis. You see, Israel was supposed to be a light unto the Gentiles. It was their responsibility and their created role to go to the Gentiles and be a light to them, to bring the revelation of God to them. But instead of being a light out into the world, they, what do they do with their light? They hid it under a basket. They hid it under a bushel. And that's where that little song comes, this little light of mine. He says, hide it under a bushel? No, no way, Jose. No way. He said, and that's why Jesus stood up in the festival where they're celebrating lighting the menorah, this huge menorah, which is taller than the walls of the city, that they would light it as a light to the Gentile nations. Jesus stands up in the midst of everyone sitting down there and he yells with a loud voice, John 7, and he says, I am the light of the world. I am. If any man thirsts, let him come to me. Can you imagine in that quiet, somber moment, somebody stands up and yells this? He says, you guys are supposed to be like the Gentiles. And he says, you're not doing it. He says, but I will. I'm the light, not just Israel, but I am a light to the world. But you see, this argument, who you ate with, was tradition. And for them, tradition trumps truth. Be careful when tradition trumps truth. Because you're on shaky ground when that happens. Truth. God's truth must always trump our traditions. Amen? And we don't have any traditions here at this church. Amen? If you don't think so, just change the order of service someday. What? I can't believe you put communion there. Communion is supposed to be here. I can't believe you took an offering there. Offering is supposed to be here. I can't believe you didn't mention the visitor card. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, these people have since come and gone, but... We have our traditions too, don't we? But traditions never trump truth. Amen? We need to be sure that we major on the major and don't major on the minors. And things that were going on, even at this, this is a major thing that took place with the Gentiles. And yet they majored on this minor issue. We know who you had lunch with. We know who you ate with. And... At that moment, Peter had to make a decision. How is he going to handle this bomb that was just thrown at him? I mean, isn't it amazing? When you get done, just, I mean, you are just blessed beyond belief. You were part of something huge. God, God showed up in your life, and God used you in a powerful way, and you gave your testimony, some great thing happened. And, and, and I mean, you're just high-fiving the Spirit of God. You're like, that's awesome, Lord. And then all of a sudden, bam! You're hit with a contentious spirit with someone. And let me tell you, that's how it often happens. You're doing great, and all of a sudden, boom. There's a devil right in front of you. The question is, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to handle it? 
I am amazed at the miracle that took place in verse 4. They jumped in his face, contended with him, verse 2, and then they accused him of a truth, verse 3. And then it said this, but Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. I don't know about you, but that, I'm like, who did that? Peter did that? Get my concordance. Is this the same Peter I read in the Gospels? <laughs> you know, you, you remember Peter, don't you? It seems like whenever Peter opened his mouth, it's so he could jump in with both feet. That's typically Peter. Peter was the one that always was a, just jump out very bombastically. He said, everyone else will deny you, but I'll never deny you. Right? And then one time he'll grab the Lord and say, you're not going to the cross. The Lord means he grabbed and shook him. And Jesus will say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Right? Now, if you were the other disciples, you're going, glad I didn't do that. <laughs> Peter. You would think that Peter would be the one that would say, oh, yeah? You want to get on my case about that? You would have thought Peter would have just jumped in. But yet, very calm, cool, and collective, he just explained it in order from the beginning. Let me lay it out for you. Now, remember the point, the first point that we're learning here is that when you fight, you are confronted with a contentious spirit, that we must learn to act and not react. Act, don't react. The spirit of contention, and by the way, I call it a spirit of contention because your attitude and my attitude will come under the control, and sometimes it will come under the control of a Holy Spirit. Amen? When the Holy Spirit controls our attitude, that's a good thing, isn't it? But I don't know about you, but sometimes my attitude can come under the control of an unholy spirit. And my attitude isn't that good sometimes. And I can say and act in ways that I wish I hadn't said and act. And yes, you say, but you're the pastor. I know. My problem is this. I'm made of the same material you are. That's my problem. You're made of the same material I am, and I'm made of the same material you are. We are, you know what we are? We are dirt in which God blew the breath of life into. I mean, it's a humbling thing when you realize that you're just glorified dirt, isn't it? It's like, I'm so great. We're just claymations. That's all we are. But God loves us little claymations. Blew into us the breath of life. And he says, now act like me and don't act like yourself, Tim. And my attitude can come under the wrong spirit sometimes. Now here's what I want you to understand. This is very important. A contentious spirit is also a contagious spirit. It's airborne. It's very contagious to those it comes in contact with. When we look at our text, it wasn't one person with a bad attitude. It was multiple people. The news came, someone didn't like what they're hearing. Hey, did you hear about Brother Peter? Hey, did you hear who he ate with? And, and before you knew it, there wasn't one, there wasn't two, there was, there was a group of them. And a group of them got next to this contagious, uh, contentious spirit, and then they got contentious. And it wasn't just one person, multiple ones come before Peter, and all of them were contentious. Now here's the other challenge with the contentious spirit. Not only is it contagious amongst those who have it and can be pulled into it, 
but it's contagious to the one to whom it contends with. All right? In other words, when that contagious, when that contentious spirit approaches you, if you're not careful, you too can catch it. You too can become contentious. You say, no, no, not me. All right, somebody else could. You too can get an attitude that comes under the wrong spirit's control. Peter here, he realized that, wait a minute, I'm not going to fight fire with fire. They're contentious to me, but I'm not going to be contentious back. They are yelling at me, but I'm not going to start yelling at them. They're mad at me, but I'm not going to be mad back at them. He very calmly, very cool, very collective, just lays it out. Here's where I'm at. And he says, who is I to withstand God? Now, if you guys want to withstand God, go for it. He said, but I'm not, I'm not going to withstand God. You see, Peter, believe it or not, realized that this spirit of contention, if it continues, it is contagious and it can suck him in as well. And the more the contentious spirit is not diffused, the more it's detonated from one to the next to the next to the next, the stronger it gets, the larger it gets. And before you know it, some, some churches have literally, I'm not kidding, have split over the color of the carpet. That's why we never change the carpet here. <laughs> we can't have a church split. No, actually, we, we changed all the carpet to Fellowship Hall and the hallway, and we're still here. <laughs> Amen. But that's what happens. They will get contentious and contentious to the point where they separates with hostile spirits. And they say, fine, we're going to go start a new church. And we're not going to have carpet. <laughs> we're not going to have, it used to be maroon carpet. You ever seen it? I mean, all the churches had like a red carpet in them. And so uh, this is nice. This is, this is a good carpet. We're not married to the carpet, by the way. Right? We're married to Christ, aren't we? But this contentious, combative spirit is very contagious. And our natural tendency is to react and not act. And what's the difference between acting and reacting? When we respond with a reaction, a reaction is a response driven by emotions. You react. You come up to me and slap me in the face, I slap you back. That was an emotional response. All right? I didn't mean to slap you, but as soon as you hit me, I hit you back. In love, you know what I mean? In Christ. A reaction is a response driven by emotions. An action is a response driven by thought. In other words, you think and then you act. I had a mother who used to say, Tim or Timmy? Think before you do anything. But, Mom. We have been in positions where we have reacted to a situation. We had an emotional response to an emotionally volatile issue. And we responded emotionally. And later we regretted it. And later we said things like this. I'm sorry. I I don't know what I was thinking. Or, better yet, I wasn't thinking. We've done that, right? If we really stop and think about it, if they really stop and thought about it, and said, wow, Gentiles were getting saved. Lives were being transformed. 
people who believe that multiple gods are believing in one true God, if they really stopped and thought about what just happened, they wouldn't have come at Peter with a contentious spirit. And Peter, if he didn't keep his mind on the blessing that just took place, he would have got sucked right into it. And he would have responded the same way they responded to him. They drew swords, he would have drawn swords. We need to learn to stop and think. And then we act. That's an amazing part. But Peter explained to them in order from the beginning what took place. He put thought into what he was going to say and how he was going to respond. And they, instead of them escalating the contentious situation, it diffused the potential battle that was at hand. It diffused the bomb that was set before them. You see, friends, when we react to contentious spirit, you will escalate the problem. You will not de-escalate the problem. Your emotions will add to their emotions, and the emotions go to a next level. You're starting at your voice at one level, and then your voice is at another level. And then your voice reaches another level. This isn't any of us, but some people, it happens to them. And the contention gets... Until finally they separate apart, and they say... I'm not talking to you. And they each get in their, their camps. What an amazing leap of maturity that Peter shows in our text. Peter, the one who was always the one who responded emotionally and very quickly, stops and very calmly says, here's what happened. So, today, we're just going to leave with that one thought. How do I diffuse a contentious spirit? By acting, not reacting. Act. Don't react. So in other words, we're going to think about it and say, wait a minute. I can get sucked into this, or I can diffuse this. And I don't know about you. I wish I could, I wish I could practice what I preach every time I need to do it. Because, you know, I know these things. But there's times that, oh, boy, I'll tell you what. I don't know about you, but the flesh is awful close to the surface, isn't it? And emotions, boom. I've been practicing snapping with this finger since I broke it. You know, you got the idea. One will go and then the other one will go. And before you know it, praise God we've learned this lesson. Amen? Amen. We'll never have to worry about this again. Contentious spirits. God always tells you how to defuse bombs. As a matter of fact, even rumors. Uh, you know, he says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Right? We who have wood stoves, we understand this. We live in the north. Florida had no concept of what this was. What do you mean? If there's no wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no tail bearer, the rumor ceases. So how do you stop bad rumors from going around? Don't repeat it. Someone said to me once, I never repeat a rumor, so listen closely the first time. I like that, and I don't like that. Stand with me. Father, today, today we just believe that you are going to do a work in our life. And I want you to join with me in prayer. Lord, help me today to be aware when a contentious spirit comes upon me. And help me not to give it to others. And Lord, help me not to take their contentious spirit into me. Help me to be under the control of your spirit. 
Help me to act and not react. Help me to be driven by spiritual thoughts rather than emotional reactions. Move in our midst today, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Maybe there's issues here that have nothing to do with the message whatsoever. Maybe there's folks that just need to leave something at the altar. Maybe there's folks that just need your healing touch. I ask, Lord, that you'll just draw us to yourself and draw us to your decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The ministry team's going to come. They're going to pray for you. If you're in need of healing today or help, you come. Last week, I, I just believe that God was going to touch and heal my Meniere's disease, heal me of my vertigo. And do you know what? This is the first sermon where right in the middle of my message, vertigo started hitting. My head is spinning like crazy right now. But I am still going to keep believing that God is healing me. He's answered that prayer. The healing is on its way. I'm just waiting for the package to get here. Amen? And pretty soon I'll get off this teacup ride that I'm on today. But it'll be good. But I'm just like, where did this come from? All of a sudden, right in the sermon, wham. So, going to need someone to come up and pray for my head. I need, I need healing too. So keep praying. I believe in it. But Ron, come on. You're looking right at me. You got that. Some of you got the gift of healing. You come. Feel free. So I need prayer. So you come while others are praying. Folks are here to pray for you.